ounce for ounce, a falcon is considered to be more valuable than cocaine. So rather than be treated as precious cargo, they're often knocked out with vodka or chloroform before being stuffed into the luggage compartment in the bottom of a Boeing 747. This is Billion Dollar Bird. I'm your host, Arden Hemingway, and today we're going to be venturing deep into the world of black market falcons. Last episode, we discussed everything from China to the aristocratic social system in medieval Europe, which was followed by an interview with the wonderful Vivian Maxim, Raptor Rehabilitator Extraordinaire. So if you missed all that, then you're really not prepared for what's to come. You can give it a listen on YouTube, SoundCloud, and most recently, iTunes, which took forever to approve it, like literally two weeks. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that it's not working on the website, which is billiondollarbird.weebly.com, if I didn't say it enough last time. Um, So our tech team's trying to get the audio player to work, and by tech team, I mean me. It's not going very well. So far, we've just covered the origins of falconry, but how did the internationally recognized sport give way to a full-fledged black market? Well, I mean, there's speculation that it began with the fall of the Soviet Union. When the USSR split into 15 states, regulations disintegrated and a free market blossomed, but no one knew that it would be quite as expansive as it is today. The number of falcons flowing into the Middle East jumped from a few thousand a year to 15,000 by 2001. To understand these numbers, first we have to get into the mindset of a black market falconer. There are three crucial steps, the capturing, the smuggling, and finally, cashing it in. So how are the falcons actually caught? In some cases, a satellite transmitter is attached to a wild bird, and then the rest is essentially up to luck. The bait could lead to a nest and some valuable eggs, or even a mother fit for training. But other times, traps are left in areas that are known to be inhabited by either a particular species or type of bird of prey. The three most common traps are the doe gaza, which uses an entrapment net, the balchatri, which is kind of similar to a lobster trap, and the bow net, which uses a spring-loaded mechanism and looks like a bear trap but maybe kinder, a little less spiky? The alternative is that the falcons come from breeding farms, but many falconers find that those birds aren't quite up to snuff. I mean, the Shah of Iran claims that they fail to learn how to hunt prey when they're released in the wild as a result of, I guess you could call it laissez-faire training. So it's common belief that only one in 10 farmed falcons can hunt well. So most people will buy a dozen, maybe take one or two to train, and then they'll use the rest as bait for superior birds. So now we've got the bird. The hard part is getting it across state lines. One Bahraini man was caught smuggling 19 falcons through Cairo's airport in Egypt. Another Syrian man was found with not 19, but 47 raptors in the Novosibirsk airport. Yes, I did have to Google how to pronounce that. And he was on his way to the United Arab Emirates. 
these stories aren't unusual, but they don't get reported as often as they should. I could only find records of one news station talking about the smuggling. Pakistan authorities have seized over a dozen of rare falcons from bird traffickers. The trade of the endangered birds is illegal in the country. 22 falcons, many of them an endangered species, were confiscated from a bus on a highway in Jamshoru, about 93 miles from southern port city of Karachi over the weekend. Two traffickers have been arrested by the authorities. The falcons are migratory species and considered endangered globally. Its trade is banned in Pakistan. The birds are estimated to be worth $239,500 in the local market. It's actually an incredibly difficult task. If you've ever been around a bird of prey, or even if you've ever taken a walk in the forest, you know that nothing keeps them silent. So measures have to be taken. I read a report that speculated that when these birds are being transported from China or Russia or wherever it is to the Middle East, the birds are wrapped really, really tightly in cloth that's treated with chloroform, or sometimes they're subdued with vodka, and then they get taped up with duct tape so that they can barely breathe. Some are thrown into suitcases and stuffed in the baggage compartment of planes. Others are actually taken legally. But how? I mean, that certainly doesn't seem right. Well, no, it isn't. What many falconers do is purchase 20 or so low-quality birds from breeding farms, get the proper licenses for those birds, which can include a passport that can be $200 to $1,000, and then they replace them with more valuable wild falcons. They arrive with 20 birds and leave with 20. But they're not the same. The ones they end up taking home are from camps, which carefully circumvent regulation. So then there's a more boring black market and substantially smaller one in the United States. It's far less interesting or intense, but people are still taping illegal eggs to their body and then using small airplanes to fly over the more remote areas of the US-Canadian border. Okay, so maybe that's not actually that boring, but it's not chloroform duct tape and shoving them in the bottom of a plane. This begs the question, why is the black market for falcons flourishing in the Middle East, but not in the United States? It's not the availability or lack of immensely wealthy people, but the corruption. For the past two decades, Peshawar has been home to the world's largest black market. And due to the socioeconomic status that's commonly found among the people who are in charge of regulating the falcons, they're pretty easily paid off. A dealer local to the area, who refused to reveal his name, said that police, customs officials, and wildlife regulators are being paid thousands of dollars to turn the other cheek. Between the four major groups in Peshawar, it's rumored that the market is worth $62 million a year. Okay, so maybe it's not a billion dollars, but 62 million in a single city. Are you kidding me? Pakistan isn't the only source for the birds pouring into the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia. In China, it's alleged that nearly 400 saker falcons are caught every year in one Chinese camp by people who then take them to the huge markets. But that's nothing, right? I mean, 400? It's not that many. Well, no. 
It's a lot when they're appraised on average at 250,000 US dollars per bird. And that's according to Forbes, so I mean, pretty trustworthy. That's about as much as a Bentley Mulsanne, which are just as common on the streets of Dubai. So with some simple math, I mean, we're talking about $80 million per year in a single camp. What confuses me is that like you're looking at figures like that and it still isn't making headlines that this is happening. But you know, it's even more crazy. An Arab sheik bought a Falcon in Russia for $600,000 in 2013. And according to a local dealer, there are birds going for just under a million. When you pay for a Falcon though, you're paying for the labor of the man who brings the bird to you. But the Falcon itself is too perfect, too valuable to pay money for. So you don't pay for the bird, you're really paying the man. The idea that one person can make such a huge amount off of a single transaction led to an increase in Falcon camps around the world. Though they're primarily concentrated in Kazakhstan, Russia, Pakistan, and China, where officials can be persuaded with just a few hundred or maybe a few thousand dollars to pretend that it's not happening. A few years ago, six camps had been destroyed and 40 gyre falcons were blocked from transit. Why aren't these statistics being updated? Is it because no one cares or because someone's paying to cover it up? I have no idea. I seriously don't know. The only recent thing I could find was that in the past month, at least four people have been arrested by the police in Peshawar and Chersada for smuggling sacred falcons. By Pakistani standards, a serious crackdown is happening, but it's going largely unreported and I'm wondering why. Does it really matter that people are smuggling these birds? Does anyone care? Obviously, or I wouldn't be talking about it. Smuggling is driving many species of birds towards extinction, according to the US-based Union for Conservation of Raptors, or the UCR. The birds that are being bought, sacred falcons, are endangered, and that's according to Paul Fander, a leading bird handler in Kazakhstan. He says that the number of wild sacred falcons has dropped by almost 90% in recent years. The birds are listed as endangered on IUCN's red list of threatened species, which even says on it that the population is undergoing a seriously rapid decline. What's being done about it? There are 150 birds being bred each year as a part of the Sunkar Raptor Sanctuary's breeding program, but that's just a tiny drop in the bucket compared to the estimated thousands smuggled out of the country per year. So this perpetual corruption that's surrounding those who are supposed to be regulating this means that every aspect of falconry is becoming less and less legal. So Arab sheiks are known for buying these large female falcons on the black market. And then what they're doing with them is paying thousands of dollars to then illegally hunt Hubara bustards. And all of it's under the table. They're literally using an endangered species to wipe out another. So Pakistan's crackdown is totally warranted. In 2016, United New International did release some info on the new regulations being put in place. 
Good news for a rare bird in Pakistan. One part of the country can no longer hunt it. Imran Khan, a chairman for the Pakistan Tariq e Insaf political party, says hubara bustards will no longer be hunted in one of Pakistan's four provinces. He explains in a December 11th Twitter post that the bird is protected and, quote, hunting them is illegal. At Khan's advice, the chief minister of Hyber Pakhtunwa issued a hunting ban in the province. Pakistan's other three provinces are still open to bustard hunting. In these provinces, Arab sheikhs are given hunting licenses covering large chunks of the bird's winter migratory habitat. According to The Guardian, hunters come from the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia and other Gulf states to track the birds using radar technology and off-road vehicles. They used to hunt hubara bustards in the Arabian Peninsula up until the bird's population was decimated in the 1960s. By decimated, she means that the population was nearly non-existent, so close to extinction that it was scary. And yes, it's true that falconers have almost completely wiped out the hubara bustards, but really, you can't look at it as black and white. Falconry is bringing seriously significant political and economic benefits to countries where the hubara survives, and access to hunting grounds is becoming more and more regulated. A lot of money that is being brought in by way of falconry is being invested into schools, roads, hospitals, and other really important pieces of infrastructure in countries like Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Pakistan, and Morocco. And then on top of that, the two countries that are most heavily involved in the sport, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, have the largest, most well-funded wildlife conservation programs in the region. So I have to leave you with the question of the day. Is it worth it? the smuggling, the capturing, the cost, just so that these birds can be a representation of social status? Today, we've journeyed further into the black market, and there's still more to be discovered. If anyone wants to donate a few million dollars so I can fly to the UAE and actually do some investigation, that would be great. So to do that, just visit the website at billiondollarbird.weebly.com and drop me a note. Um, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Really quickly, I want to say thank you to Google for helping me research this. Um, no, seriously. Thank you to the Washington Post, CNN, and Huffington Post for doing the investigation that I'm not funded to do. Um, so the rest of my sources are all on the website, which you should go to. It's billiondollarbird.weebly.com, if you didn't already know. I also included a really cool map of all the locations mentioned in this episode because I know it can be really confusing to just keep track of all that and it's just also really interesting to see how widespread the black market is. So um, yeah, check that out. That's on the website at billiondollarbird.weebly.com. No, I, I still haven't purchased a domain, but that, that's fine. Anyway. So if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it's at BDB Podcast. Um, I really haven't tweeted that much, but my 12 followers are loving it. Hi, Mom. So see you in a bit, maybe a week, maybe two, or a month <laughs> for the finale.